Talk Recorded live. Hello, this is Michael Adams. It's nothing but the truth. One man's journey to find it. It's June 7, 2015. And this recording is titled 2015, The Year of the Flat Earth. And it's something that's been intriguing me for the past couple of weeks. Actually, I haven't really thought about it too much. Uh, I got a, an e- a couple of emails from someone uh, that uh, listens to Greg Anthony. Um, I'm sure she won't mind if I've mentioned her first name is Kathy. And she sent, sent me a half a dozen emails. So I will eventually respond to you, Kathy, but this is part of how I'm going to respond to you. And it says, here, hi, Michael Adams. I listened to your show today with uh, Greg Anthony, who is... And I guess a friend of hers, and uh, he put me onto your show to listen to it. I really enjoyed listening to that, and I hope that you have him on again. He has a lot of information, and I would like to hear your side of things, too, when you two meet up again. I liked what you had to say about we don't even know what our planet looks like in the origin of dispensationalism. I agree. This is a false doctrine. So good. And it goes on to more stuff. And she asked me about making a comment about Revelations 20. And maybe I will. Maybe I'll do a recording. Sometimes it's the best way of going about it for me. Um, I'm not the greatest when it comes to typing. And uh, I'm not really an email person, but I do try to respond to people. Well, so we're going to listen to. She also sent uh, a couple of uh, videos. Ironically, uh, the one. Uh, let's see. She sent me a couple videos, and the the one flat Earth. Um, how I discovered it is it, it believe it or not it was going to be one of the ones I was going to play in the future. Um, and then the other one is worth listening to as well, um, but I don't know if I'll be able to pull that off on this show because you got. An awful lot of background music and outfit. Well, we could try it, maybe. What the heck? But maybe another show. So, anyways, my feeling is this, but still, my feeling is this: the same. This whole thing about flat Earth, round Earth, it's about a, a bit of a false argument. I've heard all sorts of crazy things out there too, by the way. But people, it's just, it is going to be the year of the flat Earth. There are some pluses and negatives to this, I see. One is it's going to force people to actually ask questions, especially about NASA, all the false images they have out there. But we also, when we listen to these folks, and we should use our senses and what we see in the world, well, we often see a world that's not flat. There are high mountain ranges. We see the mountains. We drive through them. We know of canyons and deep, deep canyons. Uh, we look at Grand Canyon for one, and if you go through the oceans and all that, if we believe what they're saying about the oceans, which is no reason to, at this point, doubt them. Of course, we haven't seen it, but, you know, we, really, we do realize that they're very deep. We don't live on a flat planet. So, it's it's not, the term flat planet is not proper, it's not proper. So that's something to think about in the future with this debate. Uh, secondly, we look at uh, if you look at um, 
how it was actually mapped out recently in the past five years. Um, yeah, just true shape of the Earth. And, of course, they say it's like a, a pear shape. And, of course, you have... And uh, say pear. So, anyways, the point being in all this is that really it's not so much whether the Earth is flat to me, is the fact that we in 2015 have no idea what the Earth looks like. You know, as far as the general populace goes, we know that the NASA's lied to us. We know that the Bible says something a little different. That doesn't mean that we're not necessarily a misunderstanding. Um, or, or, excuse me, that we're understanding what we're reading out of the Bible. Um, Columbus was wrong. The earth is a pair, is a pair of shapes. And there's something else, you know, we look at that. Chicago Tribune, of course, now we're talking Chicago Tribune is very heavily influenced by the Jesuits and Rome, but this is 1959. So, but anyways, what we're going to listen to is, we are going to listen to this. So I like what this young man had to say. He says, Flat Earth, how I discovered it. And then we're going to listen to, probably already have listened to this already, but another interview of uh, Eric Bay, and then as we go on, there's just research and discussion, and we'll look at things like, well, it's not round, it's pear shape. Um, yeah, we look at what NASA's given us, giving us the impression that they went to the moon or went even into outer space with the false images of Earth being round. Now, here's the thing. If they can't go beyond a certain point and they're not capable of actually seeing the earth in its, in its entirety and we see constantly you know uh, people changing their minds of what shape it is and their high priest like the grass you know saying oh no no it's kind of oblong or a little smooshed in the ends or bones or this that you know the fact of the matter is what I'm seeing clearly is this. We don't understand what the shape of the earth actually is. And B, they never went past a certain barrier. They can't go past a certain barrier. They never went to the moon. They've never visited any of these quote-unquote planets because every picture we got is computer-generated. It's not real. It's not authentic. Like if you went out in your backyard and took a picture of a your, you, you know, the, your whatever, your dogwood tree or your Japanese maple, you know that that's real. This is an example. We don't have a real photograph, a real image, a true image of the Earth, which tells me they can't go past a certain point. Uh, why we can't go to the Antarctic is a very good question. They're worried about keeping it pristine. If you believe that, I got some oceanfront property in Indianapolis, Indiana, just for you, and it's very cheap. 
very cheap. So why we can't go down to the Antarctic at this point, or even the North Pole, it's just like if they're just basically nothing more than ice, snow, some land, this would be told. These are valid questions. Um, is there, you know, what goes beyond this point? Is it some kind of black abyss, some kind of darkness? You know, when he talks about four corners of the earth, we naturally assume that it has to be something that has four corners, like a square. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's true. It could be something completely different. And um, anyways, by sharing these things with you, I'm not saying I'm a flat earther. I would say if I had to be forced to make a decision and I only had two choices... Well, let's put it this way. You've got pendulums leaning towards flat Earth. But reality is we have mountains and we have canyons and we have deep canyons. The Earth is not perfectly flat. Um, if you look at some of these uh, satellite imagery that they've had about the Earth, it's more like a big rock covered by water. And... I'm not saying I'm a how earth believer, but I wouldn't be surprised because it is a big rock. There's a potential for it also to be hollow somewhere. How do I know any of this? I don't know any of this. I am as, as uh, clueless about this issue as anybody else, but it's clear that t this year is going to be the year of the flat earth. Imagine it might have some kind of meaning behind it. Maybe it's just distraction about what's really going on. Some people don't pay attention to um, other things. Well, maybe it's a way of discrediting those of us who are looking at the truth and being labeled conspiracy theorists. I don't know. One thing is, it's certainly going to be the year of the flat earth. And I don't agree that it's flat because I know there's mountains. I know there's canyons. And I know that the earth that I've seen has never been flat. They're going to say, well, Mike, you're missing the point. It's, you know, it's either a spherical ball, the earth, or it's a flat plane. And I'm saying, at this point, none of us have the answer. We don't. Here's a one to throw out at you. Why do all these uh, religions believe in this cube? A black cube. A cube. What's up with the cube? I don't know. <laughs> Can we be on a, some type of cube? I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that that is the case. I'm just saying this is how confused the issue has come, become. We look at these uh, Luciferian Freemasons. They're used by the Jesuits. Of course, they're Luciferians too, so they're all the same. But they're, they do the dirty work for um, the Jesuits and the high priests to give us this impression of what the earth is, which clearly is not. So why? what's the dilemma? Why are issues... Why in 2015, we, anybody who's a thinking, conscious person, it doesn't just flat out believe what 
the authorities or your professor or what the science is, or even what your pastor says or anybody at this point, which is where you should be, period. It's their responsibility to prove it to you, not to tell you what is the truth, but to prove it to you, demonstrate the truth, and not to just throw more and more theories at us, which is a glorified way of saying fable. Get that? Theories are fables until they're proven. They become fact. And you say, no, you don't understand, Mike. You're making it too simple. Sorry, I'm making it too simple, and that's how I'm staying. <laughs> making it too simple. Because the truth of the matter is, after you throw away all the exotic math, you throw away all the uh, physics, and all because basically 90, well, 90% of it is theory, They'll tell you it's theory. They'll tell you the next breath is true, but it's how can theory be truth? How, you know what I mean? A fable can't be truth. What is the truth? So anyways, we're going to listen to this young man's argument about how he came to realize uh, why he came to realize that the earth is flat. <clears throat> of course, people say, well, Mike, you know, we know there's mountains and there's canyons. That's not what we mean. All right. Well, you know, flat's flat. Round's round. Truth of the matter is, the earth is neither round or flat. It's turning out to be. And uh, like they say, you know, maybe it really is just that. A rock covered in ocean. Interesting to think about. So, anyways, something to think about, and as we go on, we'll then start looking more into the whole pair theory. And uh, certainly, the one thing I just want to remind everybody, when we look out our window, we travel, when we see the mountains and the valleys and the canyons, we realize we don't live on a flat earth. And we also don't live on a perfectly round ball. Unless you believe what NASA has to say. And at this point, you'd be a fool to believe anything NASA has to say. So, interesting stuff. I don't, here we go. I'll get this set up. So the first one we'll do is hopefully we can get this and then we'll have any interrupt interference. It'll be, once again, flat earth, how I discovered it.
Howdy, Bible Creation Land here. So glad you all could join me for this uh, <clears throat> flat earth discussion. So, I know what you all are thinking. Flat earth, huh? Is this some kind of a joke? Nah, man. This ain't no joke. This is serious truth here. Now, the word truth is thrown around very lightly within the conspiracy community. You see, not everyone that claims to be a truther speaks truth. For example, in the 9-11 community, the 9-11 truther community, which is a huge fail, they throw around the word truther very loosely. Like most uh, 9-11 theorists will not tell you about uh, no plane theory. They'll ridicule anyone who believes in no plane theory. And flat earth theory, or the flat earth, is one of those conspiracies that, that you'll get ridiculed the most for. Like, oh, you wear the tinfoil hat way too hard. But the truth is, the conspiracies that are ridiculed the most normally carry the most truth. And the people who don't speak on the, the truth are more widely accepted than the people who speak the truth. And today I'm going to speak in truth. And I'm going to explain how I came to flat earth theory. And, and I'm going to expound the flat earth theory biblically. And I'm going to be reading out of Genesis 1 for this uh, broadcast. So I'm going to be expounding the scripture. Because flat earth theory, flat earth is not only fact, but it's scriptural as well. Now, the flat earth was never a failed tradition. It was never proven wrong. You see, when science, when something is repeatable, when something is consistent, they call it good. And the round earth heliocentrism, that's what's been repeated for the past 500 years. And um, we were trained to believe earth is round. We never made that conclusion ourselves. We grew up in school. We were taught all the lies, evolution, big bang, Columbus sailed the ocean blue, and all the lies. And the biggest lie of all was that globe that sat at the teacher's desk. That was the biggest lie. All right? So let's get into the scriptures bright and early. Let's turn to Genesis 1. <clears throat> In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was out form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So far, there is only water. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, and it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. So far, there is water. Light and dark. That's it. There's no land yet. 
Let's keep on. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Now this is very, very special, because this is what makes flat earth scriptural. Notice there's a firmament in the middle of the waters. So you have waters under the firmament, and you have waters above the firmament. There's no land yet. You have waters below, waters above. And in the middle is the firmament. Now let's keep reading. <clears throat> and God called the firmament heaven. So heaven is called what? The firmament. That's what um, the firmament is referring to, the sky. When we look up, look up to the heavens. So in this context, we see there's water under the sky and water above the sky, but there's no land yet. Verse 9, and God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place. So all the water is in one place, on a plain. And let the dry land appear, and it was so. So the water was in one place. Picture that in your head. And then dry land appeared on top of it. So let's recap here. Water above, water below the sky. Now in verse, in verse 9, he put land upon the waters. So there's water, land on the water, the firmament, and above the firmament is more water. <clears throat> and this is very consistent with other verses in the Bible that refer, refer to um, earth as a circle and that it, it's founded on the waters. <clears throat> now, one of my favorite books in the Bible, Joshua, that's my, fa my second favorite New Old Testament book, Genesis being my first favorite. Now, I'm going to turn to uh, Joshua because something very interesting happens in the book of Joshua regarding the sun. And um, let's see, I think it's verse 12. <clears throat> then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Ejelon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed, until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is, it, is not this written in the book of Jeshur? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven, and hasted not to go about the whole day. So, so interesting how the sun is mentioned inside the heaven, inside the firmament. The sun and moon are inside the firmament. Now, modern science is telling you that the sun and moon are outside Earth's atmosphere. It's always the opposite with these people. Flat Earth, globe. Sun's in the firmament. Moon is in the firmament. Sun and moon are outside the atmosphere in outer space. It's always the opposite. 
The Bible is not a heliocentric book. You cannot fit NASA and their religion and be a Christian at the same time. The Bible is a geocentric book. But not only that, the Bible is a flat earth book, cover to cover. Don't believe me? Let's turn back to Genesis 1. Because the sun and moon are inside the heaven, in the firmament. So, back to Genesis chapter 1. Let me find the verse. 14, and God said, let there be light in the firmament of the heaven. It's inside the firmament. It's inside the sky. Now, when you look into the clouds and you see the the sun's rays, they come down in a cone. It's very beautiful, and like a triangle, like a cone all around. What does that tell you about the distance of our sun? That it's very close. It's very close because it's in the firmament. It's in the dome. And if you read the Bible, you'll figure it out. But the problem is we're conditioned to believe and heliocentrism in NASA. But if we just read the Bible, we'll figure out that flat earth, man. So, the sun and moon are inside the firmament. And um, when I came to this flat earth conclusion, it was actually an atheist. I was in a debate with an atheist And the atheist was schooling me pretty hard. He was like, the Bible is a geocentric book, and it supports flat earth theory. And he was just schooling me really hard. Now, I couldn't rebuttal this atheist because he was very intelligent. But when I looked into the scriptures that night, I realized that the Bible is a geocentric book. So I became a geocentrist overnight after the atheist schooled me in the debate. And that night I prayed to the Lord because that new discovery just uh, opened my eyes. I said, Lord, I want to know everything about the creation, just the biblical creation, how your son, Jesus, the word, made the world. I prayed that for like a week straight. And that's when I met Jeff Cash, username Stinky Cash on YouTube. I highly recommend his videos on Flat Earth. After I met Jeff Cash, I uh, I treated him with a lot of skepticism. I thought <laughs> I thought he was crazy, but I always looked past Flat Earth videos on YouTube. I never gave it the time. It was too crazy for me. It was too crazy. But uh, after meeting Jeff Cash and talking to him, I finally yielded to the Flat Earth videos. I looked at some. And when I did, man, (laughs) let me tell you, it just opened my eyes. Then I turned to the scriptures, the Bible, and the Bible confirmed geocentricity and Flat Earth. So that's when I became a true flat earth believer. 
I looked at all the scientific evidence for the flat earth theory, and I still clinged to the globe. I still clinged to it. But it's when I turned to the scriptures and searched the Bible diligently, that's when I converted over to flat earth theory. Now, I'm going to be talking a lot about NASA and conspiracy. Now, when I argue flat earth theory to uh, globalists, to round earthers, they always get upset that I couple my message with conspiracy. But you can't talk about round earth without conspiracy because the round earth is shrouded in conspiracy. Now, all the astronauts are Freemasons. Buzz Aldrin, 33rd degree Freemason. They're all Masons. You don't find that a little weird? I mean, the Masons want a new world order, the Illuminati. And all astronauts are Masons. Do a Google search. Don't take my word for it. It's true. They openly admit and flaunt their Masonic religion. Now, that's not conspiracy theory. That's just conspiracy, because it's true. They name all their crafts after the pantheon of gods, Roman mythological gods, and all the planets, Mars, Saturn, Jupiter, Neptune, Pluto. It's an astrological cult. Yet Christians are so eager and treat NASA as their god of information when really they're just a Roman uh, pantheon cult. That's all it is. I was watching a program on t television uh, by NASA just last week, and they were just all about aliens. Everything was aliens. The search for aliens, the search for life, looking for life on other planets. And um, <laughs> the problem with that is there is no other planets. Now, I know what you're thinking. No other planets? Are you serious? First of all, every single picture of a planet is a CGI composite. It's not real. There's, there's no difference between Tatooine from Star Wars and Mars. They're both fake. It's not real. Now, when Pluto lost its light, they stopped calling it a planet. They need more to go on than just light. Yet they admitted that, and they're telling everyone the planets are celestial bodies, when in reality, they're just light, no different than the stars. So why lie? Why tell everyone the Earth is round? Why make people believe in planets? and an infinite universe because it all, everything depends on this conspiracy. If people figured out the earth was flat, they would start turning to religion. They would stop believing in evolution, the Big Bang, the fossil record. Everything would just be demolished. Now, the heliocentric model is the religion of the New World Order. The globe is a graven image from above. The Bible forbids graven images from above. Now, 
when they took the picture of the planet for the first time of Earth, there is video of the astronauts taking the picture. And this video put a lot of egg on their face because they faked the picture. They pressed the camera against the round um, <clears throat> against the round window of the cabin. This is what makes the circle of the Earth. But when they zoomed out, the Earth was way bigger. And this video is on YouTube. You can see it for yourself. They faked the image of the Earth. So the Bible is very clear on this. The sun and moon are inside the dome, inside the firmament. The Bible says the universe is finite. It ends. There's a flat earth that has ends, and the ends of the earth is mentioned 50 times in the Bible. 50 times you'll find the words, the ends of the earth. How does that make any sense if earth is the globe? It wouldn't. But, um... <clears throat> Lost my train of thought here. So the ends of the earth. Yes, that's it. And the Bible says there's a firmament that's holding up water. And Noah's flood, that was the first time the heavens opened and the firmament opened. And the celestial body of water fell to the earth. And the water under the earth that I mentioned in Genesis 1 came up. So the earth got sandwiched between these two waters that I mentioned in Genesis 1. Everything about the Bible is telling you that what we're being taught by NASA, what we're being taught in public schools, is the complete opposite of creation. And, um, and a lot of Christians today are just eating up this garbage. And today... I'm the madman. Today, I'm the one wearing the tinfoil hat and should be in the straitjacket. And you say, I'm extreme? No, you're extreme for accepting that garbage that NASA's shoving down our throat today. It's a religion. And that has no place in any Christian's heart. But all the Christians look up whatever NASA posts to Yahoo. It's infallible to them. It's ridiculous. <laughs> all the images, all the videos from NASA are fake. They hire graphics artists to paint and draw alien worlds. And then you see these alien worlds on the, just the religious NASA TV shows. And Christians idolize Einstein and Newton and all those shills. Now, let me tell you something about Einstein. Einstein was a liar, a necromancer, and a wizard. Now, all these Christians are about to get super butthurt right now because, oh, how dare you call Einstein a necromancer and a wizard? Ancient aliens on the History Channel did a whole episode about Einstein. And Einstein would go into these deep trances and talk to the celestial beings, Satan and his demons, and come up with these wacky, just crazy 
um, theories that contradict the Bible. Yet, people still think Einstein was a Christian. He was a false prophet and the shill for the New World Order. Hell, didn't he create, like, didn't he help create the atom bomb? And, like, people want to call Einstein a Christian. People want to call Newton a Christian. Christians don't believe in this crap. We never have. In the 6,400-year history of the earth, of Hebrew history, they never believed in a round earth, ever. That's only been around for 500 years. I mean, if you look up Hebrew astrology and what the Israelites believed, you would find that out pretty quickly. I mean, you don't even have to do any research on the net. You just have to open up the book of Genesis and see what Moses wrote. You just have to open up the book of Joshua, Numbers. It's all in the Bible. But NASA, people treat NASA like it's infallible. They believe in the Roman pantheon of gods. They're Masons. They're obviously anti-Christ. And yet, I'm crazy. So, the New World Order. Let's talk about this for a second. <clears throat> when the government discovered the the dome, the firmament. That's when um, Russia and all the other countries started plotting against the masses. They did not want a spiritual awakening. You know, if they believe the earth is flat, what's next, you know? So they created the ball. They had to take a picture of the ball. They faked that picture. And now here we are closer, inching closer to the New World Order. And, uh, no. So why is this important? Why believe in the flat earth? Why? Because it totally squashes any religious disinfo that Satan and the New World Order throws at you. Today, churches are just filled with droves of people believing in aliens, and extraterrestrial life. They sit in the pews. They probably sit next to you every Sunday and Wednesday evening, believing in aliens and quantum physics. It's crazy. And uh, that's why we need to wake up to the flat earth, to creation, because it squashes everything. Every opposition to the truth that we've been molded and trained to believe is squashed by the Bible. It's squashed by the flat earth. There is not an infinite universe. There are no space aliens. And they need the space aliens for the big disclosure project for the New World Order. I theorize that the Antichrist will claim some uh, alien uh, heritage that will be... Uh, that will make them be revered as a god. And uh, if you look at all the occult religions in the world, they all believe in these celestial beings from the stars. But 
The sky's the limit. It's closed off by a firmament. This is not possible. And that is why they needed the round earth. That's why they needed heliocentrism. Because Satan needs these lies for the disclosure project, for the new world order, for the great apostasy, for the great deception that's coming. That's why ancient aliens marathons on the on the YouTube every day. All day, every day. Ancient aliens. It serves a purpose for the New World Order. Because now people are believing in zeitgeist and extraterrestrial life and the round earth is the mother of all conspiracies. The round earth birthed the New World Order. Because it created such a um, apostasy within, even within the church, it's so bad these days that I've seen pastors preach, quoting Einstein, quoting quantum physics, quoting all that religious scuttlebug, instead of standing up for what the Bible says, instead of standing up for the flat earth. The Christian church started pussing out of defending the truth, all because of people wanted to be more accepted by the mainstream sciences, which in reality is just fedo science, just fluffed up to look like it's not a religion. But NASA is so religious, they're more religious than me. And that's saying something. So when, when heliocentrism started to be accepted by more people, the physical church, the church just put all their flat earth documents away. In the cellar they go. We won't teach flat earth anymore. It's been disproven. We'll teach the rounders now. But the church is not a physical church. It's a spiritual church. We are all one in Christ. If you put on Christ, you're the bride of Christ. Now, we're the spiritual church, the bride of Christ, Christianity. It's experiencing a revival of God's word before tribulation. People are waking up. And I'm one of these people that... Is just screaming from the wilderness, like the earth is flat. The Bible is true. You can depend on it. Don't be ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of any word in here, from Genesis to Revelation. God gave this to us, just like God made this plain, and he made the heaven as a curtain, and behind the curtain as the throne of God and Jesus Christ, and after tribulation. The sun and moon will be darkened, and the heavens will be shaken, and that that curtain won't be unveiled to reveal the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and great glory. And his coming will be seen as far as from the east to the west. This is also suggestive of a flat earth, because if earth is a circular disk, 
and the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, is coming down from heaven, the Bible mentions everyone looks up and they see him. This is possible because we live on a plane. They just added a T at the end, and you all fell for it. The firmament is the curtain, and behind the curtain is the throne of God and Jesus Christ. Now, in the book of Revelation, very interesting book, something very, very interesting happens. When you see the stars, they're tossed to the earth, causing men to hide in caves and from the wrath of the Lamb. Now, this is a spit in the face to modern astrology because the author of the book of Revelation um, says the stars, they're small enough to fall to the earth and to make men hide in caves. So what does that say about stars? That they're not these huge celestial just balls of gas that are bigger than the sun. Because if that was true, if even one star hit our planet, it would just all be destroyed. They'll all be destroyed. But this book, the Bible, very interesting read. It says the stars will fall to earth and men, the high men, the mighty men, will hide in the caves and from the face of the Lamb. Now, stars are much smaller than you think. The sun is actually much smaller than you think. Because the sun is in the firmament. It's inside the sky. And a lot of people will tell me, you take the Bible literally, it's telling you in a statement that the sun is inside the heaven, the firmament. There is no way you can take that any other way. It's a statement. The sun and moon are inside the firmament. What else am I supposed to believe? Oh, that's right. NASA, because they're infallible, right? In fact, why don't we just change the scriptures? Why don't we just change our whole religion over this pseudoscience? Quit pussing out and start believing the Bible. It's time. Quit playing games. Tribulation's coming. FEMA camps, New World Order, it's all coming. It's time to believe everything the Bible says. It's time to stand up and not be ashamed. So stand up for it. I don't care how many reprobates, Jews, Satanists, Masons, or unaware people make fun of me and call me a conspiracy theorist with a tinfoil hat. I don't care. All I care about is knowing the truth and the whole counsel of God. And let me tell you something. That is in the pages of the King James Bible. <clears throat> Let me have a drink real quick. So, from Genesis to Revelation, it's all suggestive of the flat earth and the geocentric universe. Because there's tons of scripture saying the earth, the earth, saying the earth is still. It cannot be moved. So how should Christians take that? They should take it as a statement. But yet all the Christians today believe the earth is just, just flying through space. It's ridiculous, I tell you. <clears throat> so, um, 
I'm just going to go off uh, switching gears here and say that a lot of the truther community of Christians today, like the, the Christian Truther Network, White Rabbit, um, Puritan Pictures, all those conspiracy shows, they're making you like little mice running on the wheel, like <laughs> just, just running in circles, just spinning the wheel. That's not what real truth is about. And I watched White Rabbit's Genesis Theory. And the first thing I saw was some chill pastor pussing out of defending the platters, of defending the Bible. He was quoting Einstein, quantum physics, and I just have no respect for a pastor who is just going to cave in and yield to the religion of the state, to the religion of the New World Order. Stand on the word. But now they're quoting Einstein, who I already mentioned was a necromancer, who did sorcery, who went into deep trances and talked to, to celestial beings from the sky, to fallen angels, to devils. Now, when a pastor quotes Einstein, that's when I just tune out of his sermon because whatever's going to follow is a whole bunch of disinfo. Now, don't get me wrong. I love church. I love preaching. I love the word. I'm studying to be a pastor myself. But I just can't stand the disinfo and all the fleshly religions of the world entering the church. It's, it's disgusting. Now, people look at me like I have two heads or something. Like, flat earth, are you serious? It was never proven that the earth was round. There's no evidence at all. And uh, if you look from an airplane, the horizon always matches your eye level. The horizon always matches your eye level in a straight line wherever you are. You could be in an airplane, on a mountain, at the beach. The horizon is always straight. There's never a curve. You never see the drop-off. Why? Because it's flat. And Antarctica is all around us. They, flant, they flaunt this in their UN flag. It's a map of the flat earth. The reef around the Earth, that's Antarctica. Antarctica is all around us. And they did, uh, they did missions in Antarctica. And you can look at this up yourself. What they discovered, they discovered the firmament. They discovered what's at the end of the Earth. And that's why you can't go to Antarctica. You can't go past a certain point or else you're in violation of the Antarctica Treaty that's for, enforced by the UN. And there's this... Uh, now, I'm not good with keeping names and dates, but there's this guy who came back from the Antarctica missions. And he said, there's enough coal in Antarctica to supply the entire world with energy, just the whole world. 
Now, <clears throat> now even corporations, they won't even touch Antarctica. Nobody will touch Antarctica. In fact, a plane has never flown from pole to pole in a 360. This has never happened in the history of aviation. Nobody has flown the globe north to south in a complete 360. Why? Isn't that a little bit weird? You would think that somebody would do it just to prove the round earth of anything, right? No. It's never happened. There is no South Pole. If you took a compass, it would always point north. But when you're in the South Pole, where would it point? Every direction is north. And if you were digging your way to China, when will it start? When will it have that shift? When will up turn? When will down turn into up? <laughs> you see, there's there's a lot of inconsistencies here. You know, no flight from north to south on the globe? Why? Not possible, my friends, man. You would crash into that dome. Now, I really respect Stinky Cash. He introduced, he introduced me to Flat Earth, but I don't agree with everything he says. Um, I don't agree that, that the Earth keeps expanding like it's an infinite plane. I don't believe that. I never will. It's closed off. We're stuck on this plane in the firmament with these New World Order Kabbalah Jew lunatics. There's nothing we could do about that. Um, but he also believes that there is not a physical dome, a physical firmament. And uh, when I look at scripture and when I look at the facts, I'm uh, I'm persuaded to believe in the uh, physical firmament and the physical dome. Now, I respect all flat earthers. Um, in fact, the flat earth community is full of people of all beliefs and all religions. This is pretty suggestive that it's it's the truth. People are just waking up to it. It's not just uh, Christianity. It's not just, uh, you know, it's everyone. Even atheists all agree the earth is flat. People from all work, walks of life. And um, I'm here to tell you that the flat earth, all truth leads to Christ. When I first embraced flat earth as truth, my appreciation for creation, for everything, abounded tenfold because the earth is special we are not an accident in the universe we are not gonna be invaded by alien life <laughs> the earth is special the human race is special in god's eye he loves us he created everything on earth for us that tasty steak that uh, we eat for dinner, man. He made that for us, man. Just all the animals. Humans have dominion over this. The problem is 
people are very greedy. And they created this global system, the heliocentric model, so people will stop appreciating creation. So people will be loyal little work tax slaves and they will just accept anything posted on Yahoo, anything put on the news. The new, why do you think the news always shows a globe in the background spinning? Or maybe it's a little globe in the left-hand corner of your screen, but there's always a spinning globe. They put it in your face all the time. When you wake up in the morning and you're eating your Kellogg cereal, watching the news, you're getting that programming. It's Hollywood and the media love to put the globe in your face. It's encouraged, in fact, by the New World Order. The New World Order loves these new movies like Interstellar and Star Wars and all these space movies because it's reinforcing their religion. They're incorporating it into your belief system. And that's why Hollywood never produces real, actual events from NASA. That's discouraged. Because if people looked at a Hollywood movie of NASA on the moon, they'll start making comparisons to NASA's actual footage on the moon. They don't want that. That's why they love these new interstellar movies, these new Hollywood cinemas. They love when they make those quantum physics, spacecraft, whatever. They love it, man, because people just eat that stuff up. Not me. That's a bunch of baloney. That's a bunch of scuttlebug. That's not what my King James Version Bible says. And um, it's not hard to convince people of the flat earth. I've convinced three people already. My dad, he's one of the people I've convinced. And he's convinced many more at his work, at his job. You would think it would be harder to convince people of flat earth. But the truth is, there is so much more evidence for flat earth that it makes the globe look silly. Now, that is a conspiracy theory, the globe, not flat earth. Flat earth is true. I would recommend looking at Stinky Cash on YouTube and Eric uh, Dubé. Um, these are my two favorite uh, flat earth theorists on YouTube. And if you're listening to this right now and you're still skeptical, don't take my word for it. Just do the research. Do the research yourself. From the scriptures, let the King James Version Bible be the front. Let it be your sword. It's leading the way. But do the scientific research as well. Give those flat earth videos the time. Okay? Look, observe the sky. Look at the position of the sun and the moon. Look at the horizon. Next time you're on an airplane, look out the window. They say the earth curves every 13 miles. When you're that high, you should see a curve. When you're hiking next time, maybe you're going to hike a great peak. 
Look at the creation, man. Look at it all. And it's just very suggestive. So it's a flat earth. The problem is the church has bended the Bible to fit their views in these times. And there are Christians who believe in evolution, like a God-guided evolution. There is the biggest compromise on creation called intelligent design. That is a bunch of crap. Don't believe intelligent design either. That's just a compromise. Believe the Bible. Dinosaurs did not predate men. There was no death before sin. There was no evolution. There was no Big Bang. This has nothing to do with Christianity. So kick those false doctrines out the door, especially intelligent design. That's why Christianity is a huge fail these days, with so many people falling away because pastors are quoting Einstein. Ridiculous. You're losing power. You're diluting the message. The word is losing its power. The message is being compromised. No compromise. Preach it all. The whole council. Preach it all. From Genesis to Revelation. Don't be afraid to uh, read those flat earth verses to the entire congregation. We should be proud of our um, Bible. I'm proud of it from Genesis to Revelation. I boast that Jesus is my Savior. And Jesus made the world, and he made it flat. So it's getting that point in my video where I am starting to spin my wheels and go full circle. Um, So I don't know what else to talk about. Let me drink my water for uh, real quick, and then I'll wrap up. So let's not beat around the bush, man. You know, to challenge the heliocentric model of the solar system is pretty blasphemous in today's world. So how do we start to unravel some of this stuff? What are some of the biggest red flags with our traditional understanding that should start putting those first cracks in the listener's preconceived notions? Sure. Well, just our common sense, everyday perception of the Earth, it is flat as far as we can tell. Uh, It is motionless as far as we can tell. And everything in the sky is revolving around us as far as we can tell. If nobody told us otherwise, we'd logically assume that the Earth was flat, motionless, with everything in the sky revolving around us. And you can prove that this is the case as well. For instance, with the horizon, as you rise up, no matter how high you go on the top of Mount Everest, or if you go in a balloon higher and higher, as far as 20 miles up and higher, we've gotten independent balloons that's gone up with cameras. The horizon remains flat all the way around and rises to the eye of the camera all the way up. Now, if the Earth were a ball, no matter how big, 
the horizon is said to be the curvature of the ball. So as you rose up, the horizon would stay where it, uh, where it was, and you'd have to look down if you're in a hot air balloon, down further and further as you rose up and up, and the horizon would be below you. But in fact, as high as any non-NASA, RASA, or other Freemasonic Space Agency has ever shown us, as far as any independent camera has ever gone up with an independent rocket or a balloon, as far as 20 miles uh, up, totally flat and rises to the eye of the observer. So that's one proof. Of course, you can measure uh, curvature if it actually existed. They say the ball Earth is 25,000 miles in circumference, and using spherical trigonometry, it figures out to eight inches of curvature per mile squared. A mile is squared, so for two miles, it would be two times two, four times eight inches, 32 inches. And for the third mile, it's three squared, which is three times three, nine times eight is 72. So you're going eight, 32, 72, 128 inches, and so on. And this is the kind of curvature that would exist on a ball, specifically on a ball 25,000 miles in circumference, as I say it is. So you can check with theodolites and telescopes and different methods, lasers, to see if the Earth actually does have that curvature. And it's been tested over and over again and found to have no curvature whatsoever. So, I mean, even if they had the number wrong and it was 100,000 miles in circumference, there would still be uh, calculable, measurable curvature that just isn't there. The only place curvature exists is in NASA photos and videos and those can be proven to be CGI fakes, and the early ones were literally taken through a round window to make the Earth appear round. Um, and that's it. It's just photo trickery and brainwashing that's got the world thinking that we're on a ball spinning around the sun with a magical force called gravity holding us on the underside of this spinning ball. Uh, it's all just brainwashing that we've received. It's pseudoscience accepted as, as legit science. But real science has confirmed geocentricity in the flat earth for thousands of years. The flat earth was, was known to ancient cultures all over the world for thousands of years. And it's actually a relatively recent phenomenon that people have been believing were on a big ball spinning around the sun. Pythagoras first came up with it about 2,500 years ago. He's also often considered the first Freemason. And uh, it didn't go anywhere much from there until 2,000 years later. Copernicus picked up where he left off, another Jesuit Freemason, and uh, he really picked things up, and Kepler and Galileo and Newton, and now Einstein and NASA, Sagan and Neil deGrasse Tyson, and all these people, they're, they're all part of this Freemasonic club that is building a pseudo-scientific worldview to indoctrinate the slave class so that we can be propagandized into doing anything. This is basically the biggest thing you could possibly lie about. So the psychopaths who control society are, are interested in world domination. The best way to brainwash the whole world is to lie to the whole world about what the world is. What is the earth under your feet? What is in the sky above your head? Uh, where did we come from? You know, it, it's now this lie has now evolved into a big bang evolution, a heliocentric spinning ball cosmology. When in reality, we're, we're not uh, a cosmic accidental sneeze, uh, nothingness turned everything. This is 
quite obviously intelligently designed this this thing we're experiencing here, this life, this universe. Uh, I I can't believe anyone in their right mind can look me in the eyes with a straight face and say, no, man, it's all random. This is all just random. (laughs) Uh, But people do. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. I think you make a lot of great points, man. And I think the curvature argument is pretty damn strong. And I pulled this off your website in the comments section because, to your credit, you spend a lot of time writing thorough answers to questions and responses to critics. And that's where a lot of my questions got answered. And so here's a little more detail about the curvature argument from your site. It seems like lighthouses are one great example. This first one you have is the Isle of Wight Lighthouse in England. It's 180 feet high and can be seen up to 42 miles away, a distance at which modern astronomers say the light should fall 996 feet below the line of sight. Why can you still see it? And then you have several other good examples in the Lighthouse Department, but another one worth mentioning that people be familiar with is the Statue of Liberty. It stands 326 feet above sea level, and on a clear day it can be seen as far as 60 miles away. Now, if the Earth was a globe at the dimensions that they give us, that would put Lady Liberty at an impossible 2,074 feet below the horizon. These examples seem hard to rectify unless there's some obvious answer that I'm missing, but I would say this is a pretty compelling thread of evidence, my man. Yeah, yeah, the distance at which the light from lighthouses can be seen at sea uh, is just way too far for the Earth to be a ball 25,000 miles in circumference. Uh, Another great example is the Notre Dame Antwerp spire standing 403 feet high from the foot of the tower with Strasbourg measuring 468 feet above sea level. And so with the aid of a telescope, ships can be seen on the horizon and captains declare they can see the spiral spire from an amazing 150 miles away. If the Earth were a globe, however, at that distance, the spire should be an entire mile 5,280 feet below the horizon. So there's a lot of examples like this where you've got a whole mile, say, that the light should be below the horizon. You should not be able to see it. And even uh, light refraction that the naysayers try to bring up can't account for it as it can only uh, account for one-twelfth of whatever the original distance is. So, um, yeah, the light at which uh, lighthouses can be seen at sea, as well as the fact that uh, canals, tunnels, and railroads are never built with curvature in mind whatsoever. That's not necessary. And if there were, then the, their plans would be off. In fact, I've got quotes in my book from railroad engineers and canal builders saying how <laughs> it's absolutely it's hard enough for railroads to turn, make curves uh, horizontally, let alone if we were on a ball and railroads would have to be curving up on the ball. And they give examples of different railroads over the earth and how long they are and how much curvature they'd have to be ascending and how it would be so impossible for the trains to to be able to go up this curve because trains are made to be on a level. They just can't, just can't operate that way. You mentioned uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson and One compelling thing you have in your documentary is Neil deGrasse Tyson is on TV and he's talking about the shape of the earth and he's talking about how they just discovered now that the earth is more pear-shaped than it is round. And I'm thinking, well, we've been seeing pictures of the earth from space and it's a perfect circle. So either you don't know what you're talking about or those pictures aren't real. Uh, This is a serious disconnect that's hard to rectify, Neil. 
Absolutely, yeah. And they, they've said that it's a sphere, and then they've said that it's an oblate spheroid flattened at the pole, so it's kind of like smushed. And now more recently they're saying it's an oblate spheroid flattened at the poles with a bulge in the south, so it's kind of pear-shaped. Uh, so they keep changing it, but you're right, the, the pictures that they've given us, they show a perfect circle. Uh, they don't show uh, any sort of bulge or oblateness as they claim exists uh, and, th- and people say oh well it's, it's just not enough to be seen but uh, they're claiming it's quite a bit he said it's uh, the amount of Everest above sea level is how much more oblate it is supposedly right you would think that would show up in the pictures <laughs> now a lot of people's first question is going to be well where's the edge and I was surprised to uh, see how easy that is to rectify but it, I'm sure you get that a lot. How do you tell people when they come at you with, well, where's the edge? Why aren't people sailing off the edge or whatever? So in the flat Earth model, the North Pole is in the middle and the Earth is a disk shape and the Antarctica is all the way around holding the oceans in. And so it's a fact if you're at the North Pole and you go south, no matter which Uh, Actually, it doesn't matter where you are. If you go south, eventually you're going to end up in Antarctica. But on the ball model, it's just a little ice continent underneath the ball. Yet in this model, it's all the way around you, holding the oceans in. As for whether there's an edge beyond the Antarctic ice plateau, this wall that holds everything in is about 100 to 200 feet tall. And once you climb up on the ice wall, it's a plateau of snow that just goes on and on and on. Uh, And the public and myself are ignorant at the moment as to whether there is an edge at some point, whether there'd be a barrier, a dome, uh, as many ancient cultures have said there is, or whether it's an infinite flat plane and it's just snow, ice, wind, and darkness forever. That's still a mystery uh, how the ice actually terminates. But it, it is a fact that if you travel south from anywhere on Earth, you will end up at the Antarctic ice wall. Uh, The lie is that there's a south pole, and they've put a ceremonial red and white barbershop pole with a ball earth on top of it at an arbitrary point along the Antarctic ice. And they even admit that it's not the actual south pole, and they have this complex model how the north and south poles on the ball earth are constantly moving because of the the nature of the uh, magnetic and magnetic core of the ball earth they claim exists. Uh, the real thing, the real reason is they have guided tours there to the South Pole, and if you took a compass and you stood at their ceremonial pole, you should be able to walk in a circle and north would be in every direction. Of course, that wouldn't happen, and so they'd have to answer to all these tourists every year as to why the South Pole clearly isn't the South Pole. They even admit it, you can see on YouTube, and they give their complex answer as to why it's always moving and you can never really find it. Same with the North Pole. In fact, if you watch North Pole documentaries, they always claim they're at the North Pole, but they're only showing a Garmin with 90 degrees north latitude. They never pull out a compass to actually check if they're at the North Pole. They're just on some ice somewhere. It could be anywhere on Earth. And then they're like three feet, two feet, one feet. We're at the North Pole. It's just some random ice, you know, nothingness. So, yeah, it's, it's easy to lie about these things. And these no-man's lands, the North Pole, the Antarctica, they don't allow us to independently explore them. So people like Rodney Clough or Jarl Andehoy, independent explorers who've 
wanted to go to the North Pole and Antarctica without getting government pre-approval and only going with their escorts to the uh, places they want you to go. They've actually been turned around at gunpoint by military vessels not allowing them to go in. Yarland Hoys face jail time and uh, fines for it as well. So uh, they definitely don't want us exploring what is in the, uh, the middle of the flat earth and on the edges. They keep us in the middle. Yeah, I find it really interesting. And the first thing I had thought when I was getting into this is like, well, what about airplanes? You know, people fly from North America to China to Europe all around the globe or, you know, the proposed globe. And this is easy to rectify with the model you laid out with the North Pole in the center. When you fly, if you think about the rings on a bullseye, you can fly around very, it can make it seem like you're going around a ball, but you're really just going around in a circular pattern on a flat plane. And I was like, wow, uh, I never really thought about it like that. And if you look at, well, of course, you know, something we always talk about is hidden in plain sight symbolisms and corporate logos that they use. And if you look at the UN flag, this is exactly the model you're proposing. And it even has an overlay a grip of uh, like a bullseye pattern that shows you the overlay is exactly how planes would fly around or how ships would navigate around. But it's really odd that the UN flag would take up the exact same composition or damn close to the flat earth model. Yeah, the, the UN flag is a flat earth map. You can look at it. It is not a ball earth. It's a flat earth. And the bullseye you're talking about that's over it, if you, uh, if you, count the number of holes they've got there in the bullseye is exactly 33. So what they've got is a flat earth divided into 33 sections. And I'm sure you're aware that 33 is a significant occult number, especially among the Freemasons, who are the ones in charge of this whole deception, as I said, from all the way back to Pythagoras, the first Freemason who thought up this wall earth theory through Copernicus and Galileo and Newton and uh, right up to today, Neil deGrasse Tyson, etc. So the the Freemasons in the UN and the Freemasons in NASA, these are the people who are doing this, and uh, they put their symbology right out there by having the UN flag be a flat earth divided into 33 sections right in our face. And, uh, you know, meanwhile, they laugh about the flat earth. It's got to be the most ridiculed position ever. And you got to think there's a reason for that. Why Why is the, the concept of flat earth or being a flat earther so ridiculed? I have a, a flat earth comedy special I made, and you can see Obama saying over and over again uh, the flat earth, ridiculing them, making jokes about them in his speeches. And, I mean, these, these aren't just off-the-cuff remarks. These are things that are being written into his, his speeches. So why are, they, why are they doing this? Why are they... Uh, making sure that people know that the flat earth is something to be ridiculed. I agree with you on that. I thought that was pretty hair-raising because typical people have to assume that the model of the earth is as so rock solid that the flat earth idea is so far past that it isn't even on the radar. It shouldn't even be worth mentioning uh, considering conventional science. So it is rather odd that that is Obama's go-to. Like he's talking about, how he wants to create progress. And he's like, you know, we can't have every debate. You know, we don't even, we don't have time for the flat earth society and everybody cheers like, yeah, we don't need to have that fundamental of a debate. And, and it's just 
struck me as kind of spooky. We don't have time for a meeting of the Flat Earth Society. We're trying to move towards the future. They, they want to be stuck in the past. And we've heard this kind of thinking before. Let me tell you something. If some of these folks were around when Columbus set sail, They, 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 they must have been founding members of, of the Flat Earth Society. They, they would not have believed that the world was round. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So you, you've mentioned these Masons, you know, Copernicus, Kepler, Galileo, Newton, um, all the way up to Armstrong, Aldrin, and um, Neil deGrasse Tyson. So I mean, if they're holding this secret, this would be the biggest secret possible. So are you putting uh, Freemasons at the very top layer of this power pyramid? No. Um, Freemasons seem to be the, the foot soldiers who do all the dirty work, but uh, they're definitely part of a grander scheme involving the Vatican and Jesuits and world royalty and other secret societies. So there's there's definitely a big network. Uh, I don't know. I, I think people like to kind of debate semantics about the tippy top of the capstone of the capstone of the pyramid. And um, I don't know that that there even is uh, such a thing or if we would ever get to it from the outside. But I think it's definitely you know, world royalty, the Vatican, the Freemasons, and uh, the whole secret society network of, you know, Bohemian Grove and Skull and Bones and all these other organizations, they're all interlinked in, in some ways through the whole corporate banking, military, industrial structure. You know, the thing's pretty pretty well interwoven. Every country is a tax farm. There's nowhere on earth you can go to get away from paying taxes and obeying government laws, right? So, you know, they make it sound like America and Russia are sworn enemies or North Korea or Iran or whatever. They're always giving us boogeymen, but the, the real boogeymen are all the governments and the people who work for governments. They're all mafia organizations in the sense that they couldn't exist and wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the violence and coercion they use to steal tax money from their populations, whether it's a democracy, socialism, communism, fascism, every ism involves taxation, forced stealing money from the population to fund the bureaucracy that continues stealing money and writing laws and imprisoning the population and then making more money off of imprisoning the population, say too, in America with the private prisons uh, and uh, profiting off the inmates' labor and whatnot. So they've got a, a big profit margin going here for this, this scheme. It's really well interconnected and to debate about the tippy-top all the time, as many conspiracists like to do, I think it's more important to just see that this is a, a huge network and it encapsulates literally everything that the conspiracy encyclopedia you know, has. Yeah. Great points, man. I, I, I don't think anyone would disagree with that here. You talked about well, Antarctica, of course, being and people going there and getting turned away at gunpoint, but what about 
say, the early explorers. Do we get any indication that the composition is the way you've described from the early explorers who tried to get down there or tried to sail around Antarctica or anything like that? Yeah, the uh, the early sailors that went to the Antarctic, like um, uh, James Clark and Captain Cook, they spent years trying to find an inlet into the Antarctic ice. On the ball model, it's supposed to be only about 12,000 miles around the Antarctic ice continent. But on the flat Earth map, it would be much bigger than that. And in reality, when you sail around it, as I said, it takes three or four years. Uh, and they, were, they weren't going in a straight line, but they were chartering 50 or 60,000 miles around uh, as they were trying to find an inlet into the ice wall and uh, never able, able to find one. Yeah, and you also have, and this is another quote that I pulled off your site, a guy named William Carpenter. He says, yes, but we can circumnavigate the South easily enough, is often said by those who don't know. The British ship Challenger recently completed the circuit of the southern region indirectly, to be sure, but she was three years about it and traversed nearly 69,000 miles, a stretch long enough to have taken her six times around the globular hypothesis which is interesting because you can then visualize someone trying to get around this island they have in their head, this big island of ice, this big continent of ice, this idea they have in their head, and they're trying to get around it by just going the same direction. And if you picture it in the flat earth model, you can, you can visualize how they would just be bumping into the edge all the way around until they got back to kind of their starting point, and then they'd go back up north and be like where they were. And to them, they think they went around a big continent but they did exactly the opposite and went on the inside of a giant edge. And I thought uh, that quote was pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another thing those early uh, explorers found is that they were always outside of their reckoning every day as far as how far they should have traveled uh, on their maps. Uh, so they were an average of 12 to 16 miles, sometimes as much as 29 miles out of reckoning. Uh, Lieutenant Charles Wilkes, commander of the United States Navy Exploration Expedition to the Antarctic uh, in 1838. It's been almost four years going around, and he was uh, writing in his journal how every day he was sometimes up to 20 miles in less than 18 hours out of reckoning. And so they always have to chalk it up to uh, water currents or some sort of uh, thing like this, but they're consistently out of their reckoning because the flat Earth, of course, is much bigger in the southern so-called hemisphere than the ball Earth would be. So the maps that they're using are all assuming the ball Earth. The flat maps, by the way, they use it's called plane sailing is the, the most common used navigation method, uh, which is done assuming the water is a plane as it actually is. The natural physics of water proves that the, all the surface of water on Earth is a plane, by the way, because as you know, uh, water will always find and maintain its own level. So if it's dammed up and then released, it will rapidly rush off in all directions until it remains level. Yet they say that we're on a big ball here and the oceans are all convex, uh, somehow you know, held on to the earth through the magical force of gravity, yet we can see with our eyes and we know through physics that water maintains and always is level. Yeah, that's a compelling point. And you did bring up earlier that the horizon always looks flat. And I think most people would say, well, that's a perspective issue. That would be the argument, the typical argument. But 
if you haven't seen it, people should look at it. But you're right about the idea that there are people who have attached cameras to balloons, just independent people who have attached a high-def camera to a balloon, sent it up as high as they possibly could just to get that footage because it is interesting to do. And you are right as far as as far high as it goes on any of these videos that I've seen. I'm a little surprised that you never see a curvature. Even thousands of feet up, you don't see that curvature. It's, uh, it's a little odd. You'd expect to see it. Yeah. So sometimes you do see curvature, and it's uh, because it's using a wide-angle lens. Right. For instance, on the, the uh, Red Bull dives that Felix Baumgartner did that everybody has seen, if you notice, the outside cameras are clearly wide-angle lens. And then there's an inside cockpit camera that isn't. And as you're watching it from the outside cameras, you'll notice that the supposed curvature of the baller starts really early on, just, just as he's uh, lifting off. And the exact same curvature stays exactly the same all the way up to the point where he's going to jump. So the, the curve is the same, but his altitude has risen by many, many miles. The reason the curve is the same, of course, is because it's a wide-angle lens effect. It's not actually the, the curve of the horizon. It just seems that way. Right. And that's proven by the inside camera, which as the door opens, you can see the horizon out, out the, uh, that inside camera. It is... It has risen to the eye of the camera, as I said, on a ball earth. You wouldn't open that uh, camera and have the horizon right at eye level uh, in front of you, no matter how big the ball was. That effect can only happen on a flat plane. And you can see in that uh, dive shot that the um, inside camera, the horizon is completely flat. Mm -hmm. Then it goes to the outside, and you get a huge curve. But when you're looking at some of the amateur balloon footage, some of it's lens corrected, and it's completely... Uh, flat, and others uh, like the GoPro stuff, the horizon will fluctuate as the camera spins and tilts. The horizon will go convex and concave, but whenever it's still, uh, it will level off at completely level. Then you can see that the convex and concave um, the images are just are just uh, a lens effect. It's obviously not the horizon shifting every two seconds as the camera jumps. Yeah. Uh, and when it's still, you can see all the way up, totally flat. Yeah, I, I have a GoPro, so I'm very familiar with that fisheye lens, which, yeah, that's not going to be reliable for what we're trying to, to look at. And another thing about that, that guy who does the jump from the upper atmosphere, he, when he lands, he does a Masonic hand symbol. So he very well um, could just be another pawn in the game to create the illusion. I thought that was pretty interesting. Let's see. The, well, another big issue that people are going to have is we're told we have tens of thousands of satellites orbiting the Earth for GPS systems, cell phones, military radar, navigational equipment. How do we rectify that? Yeah. Well, and they also say that there's an international space station out there, and there's a, a Hubble telescope floating out there taking wonderful CGI Photoshop pictures that they send us back with their amazing 400-mile uh, outer space internet connection to the Hubble Space Telescope. And now the, the, the internet space connection has gone to over a million miles with the new Rosetta mission. Have you seen that? Mm -hmm. The CGI Photoshop pictures from that are just wonderful and well worth the billions of dollars we're spending to get them. <laughs> yeah, so the, the illusion is that there's a space station and satellites and uh, uh, telescopes just floating out there in infinite space. But 
you and I know that no matter how high you go, you come right back down. Whatever goes up must come down. The illusion is that at some point, if you go high enough, high enough, this gravity they claim exists that pulls you back down to the earth, suddenly just you pop out of it and into the vacuum of space. Now, the vacuum of space can't exist because it's connected to the non-vacuum of the atmosphere in Earth and all the other supposed planets that exist. So a vacuum must be a closed system. But they claim space is a vacuum and space is an open system. So it's philosophically impossible for their space to be a vacuum. And the way that they fool us into thinking that this actually is plausible is three, threefold. First way they do it is in zero-G planes, which are Boeing 737s that do parabolic maneuvers that have a free-fall illusion, a free-fall effect, rather, that happens for about a minute where you can be floating in these planes. And that's how they get this outer space look like you're floating in outer space. Second way, through wires, harnesses, and green screen for the longer shots in the ISS, for instance, they do that. And the third way for like the outside shots they do uh, are in pools, They're actually underwater. And this is confirmed by the fact that there's bubbles rising in the pool in a lot of their shots. And if you want to dissect it, a lot of the ISS and other supposed space footage and all the space bubbles that are coming out of their helmets. Some people are even wearing uh, uh, scuba, scuba gear. Uh, they found that as well. So that they, they fake these. Uh, zero-G illusions by being in water, uh, by being in zero-G planes, and by being in harnesses in front of a green screen. And that makes us think that it's possible that out there in space, you could just be kind of floating around like they show us in the movies. But as far as we'll ever know, as far as you or I would ever know, we go as high as we can in a plane or a balloon or a rocket, and we come right back down. Even the rockets they send up, if you're honest about it, you'll notice that they don't go straight up. All their rockets start a parabolic curve. They start to arc over. And the ones they claim are successful are the ones that go out of view before uh, they come all the way back down. And if anybody asks, why do they always curve over like that? They just say that uh, they're going around the curvature of the ball or that they'll reach escape velocity soon. And at some point, they'll just right out of the gravity and then they'll be floating, which is another problem because if you were in a vacuum and you were using rocket thrusters or any, anything to thrust your, yourself forward, you wouldn't go forward or in any direction you wanted to. You'd just spin wildly out of control like a gyroscope in 360 degrees in three dimensions, spinning wildly. You, you don't go anywhere that way. Um, so the whole idea of space travel is a big joke. It's, it's all science fiction. Yeah, the other thing I thought was really compelling about the satellites is you talk about just go on Google and do an image search for satellites. A lot of the stuff you see is going to look pretty archaic considering modern technology because they've been using the same model for so long. But almost everything, well, if this model is to be true, it would have to be everything. But everything you see looks CGI or it looks like a little uh, computer graphic of a satellite. Where are the pictures of Earth? with 20,000 satellites orbiting it, orbiting it. If we have an International Space Station, can't you get a photograph that has all these little dots that should look like lice all around the, the Earth's outer atmosphere? That's one issue, but also the temperature. They tell us the thermosphere is 2,000 degrees Celsius. Well, what metal 
is going to be able to withstand that kind of heat? What computer can can survive in that environment? Yeah, that's right. Those are two more good points for why satellites. Well, we shouldn't just assume that these things exist just because people say they do. Uh, you know, if you want to, if you want to be scientific and you want to be a, a real skeptic, uh, you want to be cr a critical thinker, then you should only accept things that you can verify with your senses and with evidence yourself. So. You know, people think it's crazy to believe that satellites don't exist. But really, it's crazy to believe that satellites do exist when you have no evidence and can never verify it for yourself, just like these space programs and space telescopes and all these other things that we will never confirm. As far as we know, if I go up on a plane and I jump out, I'm coming back to Earth. doesn't matter how high I go. I'm not going to start floating at some point like they claim happens um, and has to happen if there are satellites out there. But as you said, if you look at the pictures of satellites and the pictures that these satellites are supposedly taking, they're all CGI. The satellite itself is fake. The, the uh, pictures of the Earth look like cartoons. Um, they, they claim almost all of them are composites, which is their word. Uh, they say that they receive ribbons of imagery from satellites, which is their term they use to uh, tell us, you know, why we don't just get a friggin' photograph. So they say we get ribbons of imagery, and then they have to splice the ribbons of imagery together in Photoshop. So they even claim, uh, they even admit, uh, NASA workers themselves on radio have admitted that they have to use Photoshop uh, on the satellite images. It's just how the data is received, and so you know, you know, that's how it is, man. Yeah. <laughs> Primarily taking data and making pictures out of it? That's what this is. A composite of data sets from several different instruments translated into a picture. In between each orbit? So some of those are painted on. It is Photoshop, but it's, it's, it has to be. So I, I find this theory really interesting, far more interesting than I thought it would be, to be honest. And I guess if, we were, if this was 100 years ago, I would be a lot more convincible than I am today just because I can't rectify the things like GPS, like latitude and latitude navigation, the idea that there's pilots flying around the planet, that there's a lot of sky watchers like that look up at the sky and they'll see, of course, what they say are stars, but they'll also see the dots that slowly move across the, the sky and they say, well, those are the satellites. You know, when you look up there, you can see those are the, the orbiting satellites. I've seen people who are UFO watchers take high-grade military night vision goggles and look at the sky, and it, it completely brightens up more than it does with the naked eye. And I have a hard time rectifying some of that stuff. What about, say, longitude and latitude navigation? How, how are we having whole industries of pilots flying around and no one's really catching on? Yeah. Um, I mean, here's, here's a good question. Why don't pilots catch on to this fact? If, if the Earth was truly a sphere, 25,000 miles in circumference, curveting eight inches per mile squared, a pilot who wanted to simply maintain their altitude at a typical cruising speed of 500 miles per hour would have to constantly dip their nose downwards and descend 2,777 feet over half a mile every minute. Otherwise, without this compensation in an hour's time, the pilot would find themselves 166,666 feet, 31.5 miles higher than expected. You just end up flying off into outer space if you weren't constantly dipping your nose down to fly around the ball. And so, like I said, if at the typical 
cruising speed of most planes, you'd have to be descending half a mile every single minute. And this never happens up top to pilots. Once you get to your cruising altitude, the artificial horizon maintains level. It don't touch the controls, just keeps on going. And so, I mean, the, the reason pilots don't figure it, I'm sure some pilots figure it out, and then who are they going to tell? Um, but, I mean, the, they're just like everyone else. Everyone else is so brainwashed that they don't think of it. And if they do, I've even heard some explanations. They, they claim that, uh, you know, they said the, the atmosphere they said the earth is spinning over a thousand miles per hour and that the atmosphere is also dragged along with it. So then if some pilot says, Hey, why don't I have to course correct downwards all the time? Their explanation is that this atmosphere that's being magically dragged with the spinning ball earth also magically course corrects planes so that they stay at exactly the same altitude uh, because they're in that, that atmosphere, you know, that magical atmosphere that helps you curve around the ball earth, man. <laughs> They've got explanations for everything. Mm-hmm. And like we're told that the Earth is spinning at a thousand miles per hour, which is awfully fast. But yet, let's say a helicopter cannot just hover in the air for twelve hours. You know, start in St. Louis, Missouri, hover for twelve hours, and land in China with the Earth spinning below it. And that is what you know I would first think would be the situation. But then we're told because we're in the sphere it all moves relative to itself and you don't notice those changes. And see, I'm not a physicist, I'm not a pilot. And so it's hard for me to really play devil's advocate for their position. But I think about if you're in a speeding car going 90 miles an hour down the highway, you can play catch with the passenger and it feels like you're stationary. Or like if an ant is crawling around on your dashboard, whether it's going with the grain of the car or with, or against, it doesn't really notice that effect. So it's like, um, you know, I guess I would think that the atmosphere would have the same effect as the encapsulation of that vehicle moving at a fast speed. To the people inside of it, they don't notice. And I guess that's the argument. But do you find do you find flaws with that argument? Yeah, because once again, it's explaining away your common sense and your experience, which is that you're not moving whatsoever. And so they say, <laughs> yes, you are moving, silly, but you're just moving at a, such a constant velocity that you don't notice it whatsoever. Now, even if you're in the, the best Rolls Royce over the best tar, uh, you know, smoothly going, you close your eyes. I can still tell that I'm moving, and that's not going a thousand miles per hour. That's just going 50 or whatever we're, we're talking about here. Even in an elevator, just an elevator going up, I can feel that. I have a, a really sensitive stomach, so I mean, I can tell when I get sick if you know if I'm doing some sort of motion that's anything on par with what the Earth is supposed to be doing. And so, isn't that weird that uh, just because it's a perfect constant velocity that my stomach's able to handle that, but just uh, a, a little bit of a elevator malfunction and and then I'm ready to, you know, so these things don't make any sense. They they just want to explain away your common sense with these kind of arguments. And like you said, if you were in a helicopter, you should be able to just go up, wait for the ball earth to spin underneath you and land at your destination. But of course, the atmosphere spins with the ball earth, so that doesn't happen. But we can prove that that's not the case either because now we have airplanes which you can go easterly or westerly and if the earth and the atmosphere are spinning a thousand miles per hour east all the way all the time as they say then a westbound plane should be well an eastbound plane should 
never reach its destination if it was going 500 miles per hour and the earth is spinning and the atmosphere is spinning a thousand miles your destination should come up behind you before you ever reach it right and then destinations going the opposite way are going to take far far longer than they they do you can check flight times and they're always within a half hour hour a couple hours no matter what direction you're going to or from but if the earth was actually spinning at the rate that they say it was flight times would be totally different it makes sense, but yet I've been taught from an early age not to trust myself because they've got it on lock, so I just assume that the, the physics all kind of works out. But I know there are people who go to school for physics. You know, they study it for years and years, and it's just odd that none of them ever catch on to it, that I guess that guys like Newton created this entire fake science around a fake model, and yet all the math checks out. That's a little hard for me to rectify. Well, they're counting on that. That's why they've got all these huge formulas and calculations for gravity and whatnot that are based on nothing. So, like, they've got a weight for the baller all based on their gravity calculations. And you can Wikipedia, Wikipedia it, and you'll see pages of, you know, mathematic language that makes no sense to 99.9% of the population. But apparently the math works out, so it's real, right? So it's just another way, just like the CGI images or whatever. Some people are fooled by the images. Some people are fooled by the math. Some people are, are fooled by, you know, this or that. They've got many different ways to uh, to get us in their grips. Like you said, the whole education system is teaching us not to believe our senses. Like the, the, the model they show, the ball earth model with a crust on the outside and the outer mantle and the inner mantle and the outer core and the inner core. Guess what? They've only ever dug eight miles down into the crust, so they don't even know what's beneath that. It took them almost 30 years to get there and they couldn't get any further in the Russian Kola Ultra Deep, it's called. So it's all speculation as to these these layers of the ball earth they claim exist and it's the inner layer of molten magnetic core whatever they claim creates the um, the magnetism of the earth and this is another funny thing they they claim that the core that we've never gotten to uh, so they can't be confirmed existed causes a uh, magnetic effect on the ball earth so that at one point at the top of the ball is a pole and at the exact opposite point on the ball is an opposite magnetic pole. But this doesn't exist anywhere in nature. You can't find a, a sphere. And at one point on this, the magnetic sphere, it will cause another magnetic sphere to stick to it in that little point and then, uh, not, and, and then pull, push away from the opposite point. Uh, it doesn't exist like that. Only bar magnets can do that. Um, what do exist, however, are ring magnets, and those are shaped just like the flat earth model where the pole is in the middle and then the opposite pole is actually every point along the circumference. So the magnetic explanation, which a lot of people will bring up, well, how does magnetism work if we're on a flat earth? You know, the accepted model is that it's this spinning molten magnet stuff in the, the core that creates this kind of north-south ball magnet which doesn't actually exist anywhere in nature yet the ring magnet which is the it's, it's in loudspeakers and other other things uh that's the flat earth model and that actually does exist so that's an actual magnet instead of an imaginary magnet like they claim exists and the 
and we'll actually admit that I don't know what's under the flat earth. We've only gone eight miles down and we haven't gotten to the bottom of the Pacific. Um, all I know is as far as we can tell, the water is completely flat and the land is flat other than hills, valleys, and mountains over a long period of uh, space. There's no convex or concave curvature. It's totally flat. Yeah, and I guess you could say science is designed exactly how economics and taxes are designed. The increasing complexity makes it so the average individual just has to trust the experts. You can follow it to a certain point, but then most people say, well, that's a little bit beyond me, but there's experts out there. They know what they're doing. Um, I'm sure that this fractional reserve banking system, this debt-based system of rule is just fine. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm sure the taxes I'm paying are totally fair. They've got the code. They got the big book. You know, they wouldn't overcharge me. They wouldn't, you know, pull any scams on me. And you could apply the same thing to, of course, science. But it's just to what degree? This is a really far out degree. That's right. Yeah. I mean, our eyes and experience tell us the earth is flat and motionless and everything in the sky revolves around us. But when we cease to believe our own eyes and experience, we have to prostrate ourselves at the feet of these very pseudoscientists who are blinding us, treat them as experts, astronomical priests who have special knowledge only they can access, like the Hubble telescope. So by brainwashing us of something so gigantic and fundamental, it actually makes every other kind of lesser indoctrination a piece of cake. <laughs> Earth being the flat, fixed center of the universe around which everything in the heavens revolves gives a special importance and significance, not only to Earth, but to us humans, the most intelligent among the intelligent designers' designs. By turning Earth into a spinning ball thrown around the sun and shot through infinite space from a godless Big Bang, they turn humanity into a random, meaningless, purposeless accident of a blind, dumb universe. Mm -hmm. So it's like trauma-based mind control beating the divinity out of us with their mental manipulations. Uh, people are always asking, you know, why do they do this? I mean, this is, I mean, other than the obvious profit margin motives, NASA being the biggest black budget black hole in existence, sucking in over $30 billion taxpayer money for the fake moon landings alone. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, hundreds of billions of dollars, and not just NASA, but RASA and all the other fake space organizations around the world giving CGI images for hundreds of billions of dollars. So this modern atheist, big bang, heliocentric, globe earth, chance, evolution, paradigm spiritually controls humanity by removing God or any sort of intelligent design and replaces purposeful divine creation with haphazard, random, cosmic coincidence. And so by removing earth from the motionless center of the universe, these masons have moved us physically and metaphysically from a place of supreme importance to one of complete nihilistic indifference. If the earth is the center of the universe, then the ideas of God, creation, and a purpose for human existence are resplendent. But if the earth is just one of billions of planets revolving around billions of stars and billions of galaxies, then the ideas of God, creation, and a specific purpose for earth and human existence become highly implausible. So by surreptitiously indoctrinating us into their scientific materialist sun worship, not only do we lose faith in anything beyond the material, we gain absolute faith in materiality, superficiality, status, selfishness, hedonism, and consumerism. 
if there's no God and everyone's just an accident and all that really matters is me, me, me. So they've turned Madonna, the mother of God, into the material girl living in a material world. They're rich, powerful corporations with their slick, sun-called logos sell us idols to worship, slowly taking over the world while we tacitly believe their science, sold for their politicians, buy their products, listen to their music, watch their movies, all sacrificing our souls at the altar of materialism. Touche, my man. <laughs> it's a big, it's a big deception. I'd say it's the the biggest cover up and conspiracy in history. We've been completely deluded for 500 years. Not everybody, but nowadays it's it's pretty it's pretty well advanced. <laughs> Most of the flat Earth material you'll find still in existence is from the 1800s, and there was there was quite a debate going on then. So there's still quite a few people unconvinced of the ball spinning ball theory back then. But nowadays with NASA and all the the photo and videos that they give us. Uh, people don't really look at too much further for evidence as they assume that that's all real. Right. Obviously, it is a huge can of worms, and there's so many things, so many arguments. People say, well, what about you know the planets? Are the planets are all fake? Yeah, there's a lot of things that our scientists told us that are built off of the heliocentric model that they've given us. And I think that if there's any unanswered questions by the time we're done here, if people go online and take their question and they look it up on either the comment section of your website, or I was, I was very surprised to see how many people really are questioning the heliocentric model online. I thought it would be far less. But if you take the question you may have and you uh, ask it to the, the so-called experts on the idea, they will have an answer for you. Um, and I guess I would say challenge yourself to try to stump one. Challenge yourself to try to come up with something that they can't explain and then say it's bullshit. But until then, maybe you should uh, keep an open mind. And before we do go too far into it, give us a clear mental picture, if you can, of what you consider the true model of the earth and the cosmos and this whole thing to be. Because obviously we're calling in the question that there are not billions of stars, there are not a bunch of planets in the solar system orbiting the sun. That's a huge ball of wax. So what is this reality? How is it structured? So if you look up at the sky with your eyes or with a telescope, you can't tell the difference between a star and a planet. The planets were always known as wandering stars and the regular stars as fixed stars for thousands of years. Uh, nowadays, they claim that planets are Earth-like, spherical, terra firma that you can walk on out up there in outer space. But as far as you can tell through any telescope that we have, it's just a round dot of light up there in the sky. All the planets and all the stars, none of them can be confirmed to be some sort of terra firma that you could land on. Though in their pictures from their fake telescopes, they clearly look like big ball planets that you could definitely land on as they show you with Mars and whatnot. But that can't be confirmed, again, with your own eyes or with a telescope that you could buy. With anything that we can see, the sun, moon, stars, and planets are all just lights in the sky revolving around us. They claim that we revolve around the sun and the moon revolves around us and the stars are actually distant suns trillions upon trillions miles away. Now, this wasn't always that way. It actually and reverse engineering these explanations as they go along because geocentric flat earthers throughout the centuries have come up with good objections, such as Tycho Brahe's objection that if the earth is a ball spinning around the sun, 
in six months' time, we should be 200 million miles on the other side of the sun. So the parallax perspective, when you look through a telescope uh, in your backyard, you can prove this, you should see some difference in the stars after 200 million miles of supposed orbit. Uh, but you can't see any whatsoever. So what people, what uh, heliocentrists have been saying since then is that the stars are actually, the nearest stars. 25 trillion miles away, 4.2 light years. They came up with a sci-fi term to make it seem plausible. It's light years away, so far away that even after 200 million miles, you can't see an inch of difference in your backyard through a telescope after six months of supposed orbital motion. Um, the reason that they say the ball Earth is tilted on its vertical axis, 23.5 degrees, is because you can see Polaris, the North Pole star, all the way to 23.5 degrees self-latitude. And if the Earth was a ball, you couldn't see that because you'd be staring through the ball to look up at that star. Um, you can see it on the, because the Earth is flat, of course, uh, but you can't see all the stars in, at any one place from the Earth because of the law of perspective. That's why the sun seems to rise and fall in the, the sky every day as well, but it's actually not rising or falling anywhere. The sun and the moon maintain their altitude and they revolve circles around the flat earth. So we're stationary. The sun and the moon are actually the same size just as they appear. There's another lie. They claim that the sun is 400 times bigger and 400 times further away than the moon. Uh, and that's that's why they just appear the same size from our perspective, but they're not. But I mean, again, with your own eyes, you can see when they eclipse, they are the same size. And the fact that they do eclipse is not quite a coincidence to happen on a big bang accident universe uh, that everything is just spinning around in space randomly. How come there's these two brilliant lights in the sky that pass each other and they're perfectly opposite? Do you know the, the sun's light is very different than the moon's light too? They claim the moon the moon's light comes from the sun it's reflected off of the sun but if you collect the moon's light it's actually cold whereas if you collect sunlight of course it's hot and you can burn things the sunlight will preserve uh, certain things dry out meat, meats and things to eat but if you leave meats out in the moonlight they spoil um, if you're in the, the shade in the sunlight the shade is obviously the temperature is going to be less but if you're in the shade in the moonlight, the temperature's more. The moonlight is cold. I've never noticed that. I'm going to try that out. Yeah. The combustion in a bonfire is increased by moonlight and is decreased by sunlight. There's another one. So there's a lot of things that prove that the sun and the moon are actually their own lights. Uh, they're not, the, the moon is not a big ball up there in space that you can land masons on, as they claim. It's just a light, a, a flat, round disk. And you can even see through the moon during waxing and waning cycles. The Royal uh, Astronomical Society, even the, the people who are uh, part of this manipulation, they've recorded several times that you can see stars and planets through the moon. And uh, the astronomers that are seeing it, they're always flabbergasted about how it's possible. But it's because the moon is not physical. It's not densely physical in the way that they claim. It's just a light. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can see through it. Uh, just like the planets, the planets as well, they're just lights. That's, that's why Pluto's not a planet anymore, because the, the light from it just rapidly diminished one day, and they couldn't continue fooling all the amateur astronomers that Pluto's a planet, because the starlight from it just <laughs> diminished by 50%.
I, I think that moon thing is pretty compelling. I am going to tonight see if that's true. I've never noticed that effect. I've never looked for that effect. But to think that if I get into the shade of the moon and that the moon is giving off its own light, I mean, that is pretty radically different. And I like those kind of challenges. So I'm going to try to see how that works. But I'm surprised more people haven't stumbled upon that. If the moon is giving off a cold light, I guess we just assume it's the absence of sunlight, but to shade yourself from that and be warmer, hmm. Interesting indeed, isn't it? It is. I don't know, man. This is about as far out as it gets, and it's super awesome. So, you know, thanks for being here. We covered so much ground. I think we made a pretty good, complete case for at least the proponents of the flat earth. I think they would be proud of the, of the interview we did today. But, you know, if there are still skeptics out there that are – resistant to this idea. Is there anything else before we wrap this up that we should mention as icing on the flat earth cake or anything? <laughs> yeah, I recommend everybody look into it, do your own research and uh, yeah, check out my website, atlanticconspiracy.com, my book and documentary is free on YouTube, The Flat Earth Conspiracy. And I've just restarted the International Flat Earth Research Society. Uh, you can come see uh, some of the message board stuff we're doing over there at isers.boards.net. Perfect, man. And uh, I did want to mention also real quick, for people who are going to go look this stuff up, you might want to avoid the Flat Earth Society because they seem to be controlled opposition. You have a post about that, how the Flat Earth Society, the official group, they purposely sound crazy. They purposely don't answer things correctly. And when you trace back some of the people who are involved, they are Masons as well. So it seems like they might have this group set up to look stupid. Maybe avoid that. Exactly. The Flat Earth Society was, yeah, the Flat Earth Society was set up uh, after the International Flat Earth Research Society was set up as the controlled opposition to you know, bring people away from, from that society. Uh, uh, Charles K. Johnson, who uh, ran that society, he had his house burned down and all of his Flat Earth materials burned in the fire and he claimed to his dying day that it was done by a NASA agent who also tried to murder him. Um, and so, yeah, the Flat Earth Society, what they do is they mix a bunch of false Flat Earth arguments in so that people who are uh, considering the Flat Earth and trying to research it, they'll instantly come upon the Flat Earth Society material because it's at the top of all the search engines. And, and they'll have false arguments like um, instead of saying that gravity doesn't exist, as, as we got into a little bit, um, they'll say gravity exists, but it's explained by the flat earth disk constantly rising up 9.8 meters per second. And so, you know, you can imagine instead of you falling, the flat earth is rising up and that's what happened. But um, again, this is, this is a silly argument. If, if that was the case, then sustained flight would be impossible and the flat earth would be rising up into planes and helicopters and stuff crashing into them. So they present an easily refutable argument like this and then well-meaning researchers trying to look into the flat earth find their frequently asked questions that have these uh, bad answers and then they just think, oh, well, this is, this is ridiculous. And they also... Uh, they, they make the whole thing into this big satire and they, they address it cynically. So if you read some of their threads, they don't, they don't keep a, a serious 
research kind of attitude. They're always off the cuff trying to be witty and funny all the time. So the, the whole thing is just made into a mockery. Yeah. They even made a mockumentary called In Search of the Edge, and, and they'd show it to uh, people in public schools. Uh, they'd show it to kids, and then afterwards they'd ask them if they believed it. And then if, if the kids believed it, they'd then give these worksheets showing why uh, it was wrong and that the earth definitely isn't flat and here's why and then they'd start a big baller to unit based on it so uh, the flat earth society has been involved in these kind of fake flat earth arguments and documentaries and everything from there yeah. from the get-go up until today so yeah so steer clear of the flat earth society and come on over to the international flat earth research society yeah uh, just like alex jones make conspiracy theorists seem crazy they have an organization set up to make flat earthers seem crazy. So it's definitely worth a mention because I didn't want people to go there and then get turned off. Like you said, it's usually the first thing they see. So AtlanteanConspiracy.com. Check out Eric's awesome YouTube page. It's got tons of this stuff that has made me question a lot of things I thought I knew. But thanks so much, man. You really have changed my impression of flat earthers, even if I might not have become one myself quite yet overnight. I love the fringe ideas like this. I just didn't think there was a real argument there, and now I think there could be. So keep doing what you do, and take care of yourself out there, man. Thanks, dude. Appreciate it. It was a good interview. All righty. There today. And uh, <clears throat> pretty persuasive argument, argument and uh, debater. I mean, I, he's pretty persuasive. Anyways. Johnny will be doing something about the, the same thing, same topic, in about a half an hour on his show, uh, Resistance Rising on Blog Talk, so he's listened to that. And, uh, yeah, interesting journey. Very interesting. <laughs> makes you think. Really makes you think that, well, clearly, NASA's lied to us. The Freemasons have lied to us. The Jesuits have lied to us. The papacy has lied to us. The sun-worshipping cults has lied to us. The satanic system, Satan's minions, has lied to us. So we should question everything. Guys, God bless to hear.